0: Thank you so much for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. The sermon you're about to listen to is from our series, The Stressless Life. If you're joining us for the first time, let me be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Now go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit HopeChurchLV.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. I want to begin by asking a question, and I want you to respond by raising your hand. Do you ever feel stressed out? If so, let me see your hand. A lot of honest people in the room. You could ask it, do you ever worry? Are you ever anxious? And I think the hands would be just the same, right? Well, you are not alone. Let me share with you some information, some research that I've come across. 75% of Americans experienced at least one Physical symptom related to stress. 75%. That means three-fourths of the people that are here tonight, if we're just a normal average crowd in America, three-fourths of the people in this room have some type of physical ailment that is a result of stress in their lives. Here's another one. 48% of Americans struggle to sleep at night because of stress. Again, if we're a normal crowd, and sometimes we read numbers, and they just kind of go in one ear and out the other, but that's one out of two. So look to your left, look to your right. (laughs) Likelihood is somebody on either side of you struggled to sleep last night because of stress. This one may not surprise you. According to Wallet Hub, it's an organization that that tries to work particularly on financial stress, Nevada. Nevada is the number one most stressed state in the United States. Not making that up. Not making that up. You can look at different polls and different ones, put different people different places, but, but according to this group, we're number one. God bless us, amen? Here's another one. Nearly eight out of 10 adults, 78% say, That the coronavirus pandemic is a significant source of stress in their life. I think we could all say amen there. I'm surprised it's only 8 out of 10, right? The 2 out of 10 apparently never leave their home. They never go outside. Here's the last one. Stress causes around 1 million workers to miss work every single day in America. Today, a million people didn't go to work because they were too stressed out to go to work despite what you may hear from those claiming to teach the bible as christians we are not immune from difficult and stressful situations as followers of jesus There are people who will sell books to a Christian audience and preach on television that would tell you that as Christians, if we'll just have enough faith, if we'll just pray hard enough, that we'll live a life that's just rosy and pleasant and we'll never have any difficulties, that you can be healthy, wealthy, and wise if you just have enough faith. But let me tell you, that is not what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the exact opposite. I want to show it to you in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to give it to you in the Amplified Bible. It's one of the Bibles I like to research and read when I'm studying. The Amplified Bible is a translation that rather than just word for word, it takes the words and then it kind of gives you a variety of the definition of that word. It kind of explodes the meaning of the word. Here's the way they translate that verse. But understand this, that in the last days... Say the next two words out loud. Will come. Notice, he did not say might come. He did not say may come. He did not even say probably will come. In the Greek language, it is a future indicative which describes a very real action that will happen. It's not potential action. The structure of the Greek language here describes a reality that is going to happen in the future. He said, in these last days will come perilous times of great stress and trouble. And here's how they kind of explode that word. Meaning hard to deal with and hard to bear. Anybody say amen to that? (laughs) Pastor, what does the Bible mean when it says last days? Well, I don't know all that it means, but here's what I know for sure it means. The closer we get to the return of Christ, the more challenging and difficult it will be for believers in this world. Pastor, are you saying we're close to the return of Christ? Here's what I'm telling you we're closer today than we were yesterday. And tomorrow we'll be closer then than we are right now. And what the Bible says is every day we inch closer. Here is a promise that you probably do not want to put on your phone as your screensaver. The closer we inch toward the coming of Jesus Christ... The more difficult, the more challenging, the more stressful, the more, uh, the, the, the more hard the, the situations and circumstances that surround us are going to be. Here's the point. What distinguishes us as followers of Jesus is not the absence of difficult and stressful situations. What distinguishes us as followers of Jesus is the presence of God's peace in the midst of the difficult situations and circumstances of life. You see, every difficult and stressful situation is an opportunity to experience the unshakable presence of God's indescribable peace. So here's the big question. Let me put it up here on the screen. In difficult circumstances... Do you stress out with worry and anxiety, or do you experience the peace of God? Which word most describes you? Don't answer out loud. (laughs) Stress or peace? Here's the reality. God has promised us this. If you don't answer this question with this word, the enemy has seduced you. Your flesh has lied to you and deceived you to settle for something that is far less than God has invited you into through your relationship with him. It's exactly what Paul is Writing about in the book of Philippians. If you have your Bible, I want you to open it to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read two verses that we're going to unpack over the next two weekends. But really, this weekend, tonight, I'm only going to focus on the first phrase, but we're going to look at these verses over two weekends. And Paul is writing to this church at Philippi. We looked at this church last weekend, this church that Paul had planted. He's writing to them 10 years after he'd left. They'd been through some very challenging, difficult circumstances, and here's what Paul says to them in verse 6. Look at it. Do not be anxious about, say that word. That doesn't need a whole lot of unpacking, right? Like you don't need to know the Greek to know what that says. Do not. Now really, honestly, that's really all we're going to unpack tonight. I'm going to read the rest of it, but we're going to stop right there tonight, and we're going to unpack the rest of this next weekend. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. We're going to talk about this in a minute. He's not laying a suggestion on the table for us to consider. It's an imperative. It's a command. Meaning, if I'm running down the road of anxiety, stress, worry... In response to the situations in my life, I'm living outside of the boundaries that God's established for me in his word that he put there to protect me and guard me and help me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. I love that. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the what? Oh. And the what? The peace. And the qualifier here is important. The peace of who? Hey, this isn't just any ordinary peace, this is God's peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding. Here's what that means you can't even explain it. Like, my circumstances say I shouldn't have this peace. When somebody says, how are you so at peace? I don't know. I can't explain it. It it passes my ability to comprehend. I can't wrap my mind around this. It doesn't make sense on paper. All I'm telling you is the situation is this, but I'm enjoying the peace of God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, get this, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, just the reading of those verses, we ought to be able to go home and go, yeah, it's all right. It's good. It's good. Before I unpack that first phrase, for the sake of the series that we're going to be in over the next eight weekends, we're going to take the first two weekends, and I'm going to speak generally in general principles about how to trade out the stress for the peace of God. We're going to do that this weekend and next. And then we're going to, over six weekends, make specific applications in different areas of our lives to deal with this on a practical level, like our schedule, our budget, our relationships, our circumstances. We're going to go very practical from God's word about how to apply this. But before we do that, I want to give two points of clarification that I need you to listen to very, very carefully. The first one has to do with something I want to read from WebMD. Here's what it says. Everyone feels anxious now and then. It's a normal emotion. For example, you may feel nervous when faced with a problem at work before taking a test or before making an important decision. Anxiety disorders are different, though. They are a group of mental illnesses, and the distress they cause can keep you from carrying on with your life normally. Here's the point of clarification I want to make. I am not saying with this series that we're unpacking, I am not saying today that if someone has a genuine medical condition, that there is a spiritual solution to that condition. Did you hear that? I'm not saying that if someone has a genuine... There is a a category of of anxiety and stress-related illness that has to do with mental and emotional illness. And what I'm not saying with this series is you can just pray that away. Any more than we would say that to somebody who had cancer or diabetes or leukemia... Wait a minute, Pastor. Can God heal? Yes. Does He always? No. In this life, <laughs> let me give you some good news. Whatever you're dealing with physically, ultimately, we will all be healed. When Jesus comes again and wipes every tear from our eyes, our bodies will be restored to the way God designed them to live, and we will be restored to a perfection of physical health that will allow us to live for all eternity. We won't have these deteriorating earth suits that we have right now. But does he always heal? No. In this life. Medical issues have medical solutions. And listen, if I'm sick, and I'm talking about me right now, if I'm sick, I'm going to pray. But I'm also going to go to my doctor. And I'm going to use the best medical wisdom that God has allowed us to understand to treat my sickness. One of the ways that God heals us often is through giving us the intellect and wisdom to discover ways to treat those illnesses and diseases. I'm not saying, if we're talking about a category of mental or emotional illness, that we can pray that away. But spiritual issues have spiritual solutions. And what I'm concerned about today is that we're living in a day where we seem to be treating all stress, all worry, and all anxiety as if it is a medical problem. And sometimes it is simply a spiritual issue. And listen medication will not fix that if it's a spiritual issue you can mask it but you won't heal it well pastor how do i know if my anxiety my stress is medical or spiritual let me give you some guidance three things number one have a conversation with your doctor start with your physician but secondly get counsel from someone in a position of spiritual leadership in your life who's been trained to walk with people in these ways we have people on our team here at hope that can that can fill this role for you but but first of all talk to a doctor a physician who's trained talk to someone in spiritual leadership in your life that you trust and thirdly listen to the voice of the holy spirit of god in your life as you do that it's kind of like a three-legged stool a three-legged stool only works if you got all three legs. If any one of the legs is missing, don't sit down on that three-legged stool, right? Because what are you going to do? You're going to fall. The three legs of this stool are medical information, spiritual, godly, biblical wisdom and counsel, and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit of God. And when you listen to all of those things, then you can make a decision about whether or not this is a spiritual situation or a medical situation. As I talk about stress or being anxious throughout this series, I am not. I am not referring to a genuine medical condition which needs medical attention. I'm talking about our response, of our, the response of our flesh to circumstances in our lives that could be dealt with through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If that's clear, say Amen. Clarification number two, there is a difference between stress and stressors. What I'm not promising you in this series is that you can remove all the stressors in your life, the things that cause stress. The things that we often respond to with stress and worry and anxiety. We cannot remove all of those circumstances from our lives. What we're going to be looking at is how we can respond to the stressors in our lives and enjoy the peace of God in the midst of those circumstances. Now, some stressors can be removed because they're self-inflicted. Sometimes there's too much debt. That didn't just happen to me. I put myself in that situation. Sometimes there's unhealthy relationships. Sometimes there's too much on my schedule that I put there that God didn't put there. There are some things we're going to look at where we can remove some of the stressors that we respond to with stress. We cannot remove them all. If that's clear, say amen. Amen. All right, let's jump in. Three questions I want to look at tonight. Number one. What is stress? What is stress? Paul uses a word here that is not an unfamiliar word in the New Testament. It's used many times over in the New Testament. It's the word anxious. It's a word that can be translated anxiety, anxious, stress, worry, trouble. It means to care, to worry, to be troubled, to take thought. It means to be pulled in different directions. When you look up this word stress in the dictionary, in the English language, and I've done this, I looked it up, I have a website I love to use called onelookdictionary.com. onelookdictionary.com, you put in a word and it pulls it up in about 30 or 40 different English dictionaries. You put in the word stress into that dictionary finder and it'll pull up all these definitions and almost every definition includes the words worry or fear. Paul is not saying When he says, do not be anxious about anything, Paul is not saying that I'm to have this laissez-faire life where I just don't care about the situations and circumstances of my life. He's not telling us to all hold hands and sing the old Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. That's not what he's saying. Here's a little song I wrote. You know, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying that we should grab the theme song Akuna Matata from the Lion King and just say there are no worries, just let it all go. Paul is not saying that. He's teaching us that the cares and concerns of life are not to paralyze us by leaving us afraid or worried and that they should be understood through a right perspective of my relationship with God. He says, do not be anxious and that the way that the word anxious is used here it describes ongoing continuous action what he's really saying is don't be continuously consumed by worry by fear and by stress albert barnes great american theologian listen to what he said He said, this statement does not mean that we are to exercise no care about worldly matters, no care to preserve our property or to provide for our families, but that there is to be confidence in God as to free the mind of anxiety and such a sense of dependence on Him as to keep it calm. Paul is not saying that we shouldn't care, that we shouldn't at times be concerned. Concern and care are part of the human experience. If you are a human being, there will be times in your life when the situations and circumstances raise concern in your heart. Then, Pastor, what is this stress that we're not supposed to have in our lives? Well, let me give you a definition. Here's what stress is. It's fearful concern experienced when life's demands seem greater than my ability to meet them. That's what stress is. And that's the definition we're going to be using throughout this entire series. Stress is when I respond to one of life's demands with fearful concern because the the situation, whether it's at work, whether it's in my family, whether it's in my finances, man, I look at the situation and the situation seems bigger than what I can meet. And so now I'm consumed with this fear. I'm consumed with this worry. You say, but pastor, you just said that, that it's okay for us at times to be concerned. Well, there's a difference between genuine concern and fearful concern. I want to show it to you. I want to put this definition up here. Genuine concern is what the Bible would call a burden. Genuine concern expresses itself in dependence on God and ask this question, what will he do? Here's what that means. There are going to be situations in your life, maybe in your work, maybe in your finances, maybe in your health, maybe in your family, in your marriage, where the situation is going to seem bigger than you. How do I know if my concern is genuine? Here's how you know. Genuine concern drives us to intimacy with the Father. Genuine concern turns us with a burden to the Lord that says, Lord, this is so much bigger than me, but God, I understand it's not bigger than you. So Lord, I put this at your feet and I trust because you're faithful, because you're God, because you're good, that you are going to take care of it. That is what a Christian does with genuine concern. Genuine concern is a motivation to pursue intimacy, and it draws us to Him. Here's the opposite. Fearful concern, stress, expresses itself in dependence on self and says, what am I going to do? Rather than driving me to the Lord, it drives me from the Lord. To myself, and I look at self to try to meet the need. When I look to myself, the need is always bigger than the supply. Let me say that again. When I look to myself, the need is always bigger than the supply, and so my response is, Oh, I'm worried, I'm stressed. I'm anxious because when I look at me and I look at the need, the the supply does not match the need. But get this, when I look to my father, the supply is always greater than the need and I can have peace. You will never face a situation in your life where he does not have enough. People sometimes say, well, you know, the Bible says the Lord won't put more on you than you can bear. That is not in the Bible. I've had more on me than I could bear. Here's the promise of the Bible. He won't put more on you he can bear. His shoulders are big. He can carry it. When we look to Him, the the supply is always greater than the need. So that's what stress is. Stress, rather than genuine concern where I turn to the Lord in a sense of burden say, God, what are you going to do? Stress is fearful concern when life's demands seem greater than my ability. Maybe you're in a situation right now at work with your money, with your job, with your marriage, with a relationship, with a circumstance beyond your control and you're looking at it and you're overwhelmed because it's just bigger than your ability to meet and you stay up late at night and you're just worrying and you're trying to figure out here's what that God wants you to do. He wants you to be driven Drawn to him with a sense of burden. Lay it at his feet. Let him take it and in its place give you his peace that he's got it. He's got it. Second question. Why should I not stress? You got to listen to this part faster, all right? Number one, I'm going to give you five reasons why you shouldn't stress. Number one, stress is not pleasing to God. Look at it again. What did Paul say? Read it out loud with me. Read it out loud. Do not be anxious about anything. That cannot be stated any more clearly than it's stated in Scripture. And I told you a moment ago, it's not a suggestion. It's a command, meaning this. It's to be obeyed. Meaning to have stress and worry and anxiety in my life. That is a flesh response to my situation is to live in disobedience to God. We excuse it. Well, it's just, we, I come from a long line of warriors. Well, I'm just, that's just how I deal with things. Let's call it what it is sin. It doesn't please the Lord. And this is not new with the teaching of Paul. Jesus said the same thing. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said, therefore, I tell you. He said, just in case you're not clear on who's saying this, I'm saying this. Jesus, myself, God in the flesh, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. The word anxious here, exact same Greek word Paul used in Philippians 4. Do not stress, do not worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Not about your body, what what you're going to put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? To live dominated by being anxious or stressed out or worried is to live outside the boundaries that God has established for our lives. And it's also to abandon who Christ is. Think about it. Do you ever remember a situation in the Gospels where Jesus was stressed out? Like how about when he's out in a boat, in a storm, and the waves are literally tearing the boat apart. There's a whole bunch of people in the boat stressed out. But Jesus was not one of them. What was Jesus doing? He was doing what? If you don't know the story, he's sleeping. Here's the point. When you and I are consumed with worry and stress, it's really a Christ-likeness issue in our lives. In that moment, we're not being conformed to the image of Christ and allowing the peace of God, which is who he is, to be manifest in and through our lives. We're choosing to live out of our flesh. And I can prove it to you in Galatians chapter 5. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. What's the third one? Peace. When we're walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God, one of the manifestations of that is peace in our lives. God gave us boundaries not to, not to rob us of the joy of living, God gave us boundaries to protect us. Let me, let me try to illustrate it real quick. I'm going to do this real quick. This is going to stress some of you out. I'm going to open an umbrella inside. Listen, it don't mean nothing. God's boundaries are like an umbrella. God gave them to us to protect us. And when we live within the boundaries that God has given us in his word, we are under his umbrella of protection. We are enjoying God's favor, God's blessing, God's provision, God's peace as long as we are but as soon as we step outside of the boundaries of God for us, we remove ourselves from his protection, his provision. God says in his word, do not be anxious, not to rob us of the joy of anxiety and stress. He said that because it's dangerous for our lives and he wants to protect us and he's offered us another way to live our lives. Stress is not pleasing to God. Let me tell you the second reason why we shouldn't stress. Stress, and this goes right to what I just said, stress endangers my health physically and spiritually. God instructs us not to worry because it's dangerous. An ongoing state of worry or being anxious can affect virtually every organ system in your body in negative ways. According to the National Institute of Health, prolonged emotional stress has been shown to cause the following health problems. Listen to this. Weakening of the immune system, high blood pressure, upset stomach, ulcers, acid reflux, increased rapid heartbeat and heart palpitations, panic attacks, cardiovascular problems, increase in blood sugar levels, irritable bowel syndrome, back aches, tension headaches or migraines, sleep problems and chronic fatigue syndrome, respiratory problems and heavy breathing, worsening skin conditions like e- eczema. Like I feel like one of those commercials on TV that says we got a new drug, it's going to fix this. Now we're going to call 75 other problems. We're going to fix this one thing. You don't have to worry about this anymore. No wonder God said, don't do this. 75 to 90%, according to WebMD, 75 to 90% of all doctor's office visits are for stress related ailments or complaints. Work related stress causes 120,000 deaths per year and results in $190 billion in healthcare costs annually. According to the American Psychological Association, stress is linked to the six leading causes of death in America. Like, put the Bible aside. There should be a Surgeon General's warning that says, don't stress, it will kill you. My mentor Clyde Cranford said, being anxious is a cancer that eats away at our flesh and our faith. No wonder, multiple times in the Bible, God said, don't do this. Third reason, stress is inconsistent with the character of God. Do not be anxious about anything. Why? Why? because stress is inconsistent with the character of God. What do you mean, pastor? Well, let me ask you a few questions. We've got some classroom participation time. I want you by raising your hand to say, answer this. How many of you believe God is a loving God? Let me see your hand. Hold it up. All right. You can put it down. How many of you believe God is a wise God? Let me see your hand. All right. You can put them down. How many of you believe God is a powerful God? Let me see your hand. To the best of my ability, I think 100% of people in the room on all three questions said, yes, God is loving, yes, God is wise, yes, God is powerful. Although that is true, it undersells what the Bible actually says. What do you mean? The Bible doesn't just say that God is loving. The Bible says God is love. The Bible does not just say that God is wise. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 that in him is all wisdom. The Bible does not just say that God is powerful. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter and in Isaiah that in him is all power. He is omnipotent. All power comes from him. Now Let me give you some applications based on what we just deduced together. Here's the first one. Since God is love, he desires only the best for us. Now I want you to think about this for a second. Moms and dads, how many of you got kids in the room? Moms and dads. All right, moms and dads, you know what I'm talking about. As moms and dads, we love our kids, amen, most of the time. We, we love our kids. And because we love our kids, we want what's best for them, right? Why? Because we love them. Listen, God is not just loving. God is love. He infinitely, beyond our ability, desires only the very best. Here's what that means. Any situation, any circumstance right now in your life has been filtered through the hands of a God who loves you. And even though you may not see it right now, you will look back on it one day and say, Man, that was the love of God in my life. Number two, since God has all wisdom, He knows what's best for us. Now, I love my kids. I want what's best for them. Sometimes I know what's best for them. Sometimes I don't. Don't don't tell them that, but sometimes I don't know what's best for them. God not only is love and wants the very best for us, he's the source of all wisdom. In every situation, he knows what's best. There'll never be a situation in your life where God is scratching his head. I'm not real sure on this one. (laughs) Third one. Since God is all powerful, He can bring about what's best for us. Now hang on a second. I love my kids. I want what's best for them. Even when I know what's best for them, I can't always make it happen. But God is not only loving and wants what's best for us, not only all wise and knows what's best for us, He's all powerful and can bring about what's best for us. So here's the question. If all that is true, what are you stressed out about? There is not a situation in your life today That has not been filtered through the hands of a God who loves you. Who knows what's best for you. And who has all power to bring up. Everything in your life right now is under the hands of a sovereign God. Here's what that means. Chill out. Like he's got this. In genuine concern, you have to take it to your Father and say, Lord, I know you know what's best. Lord, I know you want what's best. Lord, I know you have all power to bring about what's best. I don't feel it right now, but here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to trust you. Because here's what I know, God. This moment is an opportunity for you to just show me again how faithful you are. And when we live there, peace. Fourth reason, stress misrepresents the character of God to those around us. When you and I are constantly anxious and worried and stressing out, it presents a distorted view of God to the people watching our lives. We tell people at work, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I've given my life to God. We tell our neighbors, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. Tell me about your God. Oh, he's sovereign. He's in control. One little blip on the radar and we lose our minds. And our neighbors and our coworkers are like, I don't know if I need that God. I can respond like that without your God. And here's a tragedy that I believe has happened over the last 24 months. The past two years has been a missed opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ. When the circumstances surrounding the pandemic, the politics, the cultural brokenness, the racial tension arose in our society, rather than allowing the world to see the difference Jesus makes in a life, we lost our minds like everybody else. We showed ourselves on social media. We acted in conversations at work and in our neighborhood just like the world. And now we wonder why they don't think what we have to say about God is relevant. The world should have been able to look at our lives and go, listen, they're walking through the same stuff we are, the same junk. But there's just something different about them in the midst of this. When others see us stressed out and living with fearful concern about the circumstances in our lives, it raises questions about the character of God. Is God really in control? Can God really be trusted? Does God really care? Is he really loving? Number five. And this last one ought to be the one that like, this is, the, this is all we need. Stress doesn't change anything. For the good. We've seen what it does for the bad. It's exactly what Jesus said. Look at Luke chapter 12. Jesus said, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to... Here's what Jesus is saying. Um, How's that stressed out thing working for you? I love that Jesus is a little bit sarcastic at times. Uh, Remind me, which one of you, by freaking out and worrying and stressing out, can add a single hour? Here's what Jesus said. Uh, If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? So I'm going to close with this question. And this is really the question we're going to look at next weekend. But I don't want to leave you where we are right now. I want to give you a little bit of a prescription from Scripture. Here's the question. How do I keep stress out of my life? Now, the whole talk next weekend, that's what we're going to answer. How do I keep stress out of my life? Let me take you to one verse of Scripture. Scripture to give you some encouragement. And I love this verse because this verse is written by Peter. So get this. The three largest voices in the New Testament, Jesus, Paul, and Peter, all address this issue that we're talking about. We, we talk sometimes about anxiety and stress like it's this new thing. It ain't new. Since the day Jesus walked on the earth, his people have been responding in the flesh to the situations and circumstances of their life. Jesus talks about it. Paul talks about it. Now here's Peter. Listen to what Peter says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your what? Say it out loud. Same word again. Same word in Philippians. Same word in Luke. Same word in Matthew. Same word here in Peter. Cast all your anxieties on him. I love this last part. This is so good. Because he, he cares. So here's a little threefold takeaway out of this verse. Remember, God is big. See what he said here? Humble yourselves. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a phrase in the Greek, it's not them doing it, it's being done to them. Meaning this in light of understanding the mighty hand of God, when I see the bigness of God, the only thing I can do is humble myself. It's a response to realizing God is big. He's about to tell us what to do with our anxieties. but he said, Before you do that, you've got to remember something. God is big. Listen, when your problems seem big, it's because your God is too small. When we begin to see the bigness of God, the glory of God, the love of God, the sovereignty of God. The stuff we're dealing with is just small potatoes. And I'm not minimalizing whatever you may be walking through. Listen, I know. I know it's painful. I know it hurts. I know it's challenging. But here's what I'm telling you God is bigger. Just think about this. Think about the sun for a second. The sun is the center of our solar system. Everything in our solar system revolves around the sun. The entire Milky Way galaxy revolves around the sun. If the sun were to move just a fraction of an inch off of its current position, we would all be dead. Literally. If it moved further away, we would become a popsicle in an instant. If it moved just a fraction closer, we would be a consuming ball of fire. And the sun is just the closest star to planet earth. There are billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions billions of stars. Do you know who is holding the sun in its place the scripture says the one that put it there is the one that's holding it in its place and that is God himself listen god is big when we realize how big our god is puts our problems in perspective here's the second prescription remember god cares it's one thing to say God is big it's something else to say God cares that that phrase because he cares for you could be translated like this what's going on in your life is important to him read it that way because cast all your anxieties on him because what's going on in your life matters to him I hope that encouraged somebody What's going on in your life matters to Him. Here's the third part of this. Throw it all on Him. Look at this word, casting. We read it in the Bible, like kind of clean, but the word is a violent word. It means to, to just throw. To just dump it. Here's what it says. Whatever's going on in your life. Realize this. God is big. And not only is he big. What's happening in your life is on his radar. It matters to him. So here's what he invites you to do. Just take whatever it is. And just throw it. At his feet. And let him give you his. That he's got you. He's got you. Listen, he's got you. He's got you. Hear it. He's got you. Let's pray, Father. May we hear your word say, do not be anxious for anything. Just a moment as you sit there in a spirit of prayer. Just a moment our team is going to come and lead us in a song of worship. And I believe what may need to happen across this room is some of you need to come in that almost violent manner to this altar and just throw it at his feet. You've been running to yourself trying to figure out how you're going to deal with it and here's what your father's saying tonight i got you just come give it to me let me give you peace you come give it to me and listen that has to happen over and over and over and over again sometimes because what happens is we throw it down and then we pick it back up we throw it down and we pick it back up but i think there's some people here tonight that just need to come and get in one of these altars and just throw it at his feet whatever's on your heart maybe it's in your job maybe it's in a relationship maybe it's in your marriage maybe it's an addiction maybe it's a circumstance beyond your control maybe it's spiritual warfare I don't know what it is it's a besetting sin whatever it is just come lay it at his feet come lay it at his feet maybe you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus you don't know what it means to know God listen you can't and I'm going to talk about this next week and you can't know the peace of God until you know the God of peace This God that we've talked about loves you and he desires a relationship with you and he wants to give you his peace, but you got to come to know him through his son, Jesus. If you don't know him today, we're going to have pastors that are going to come join me right here at the front. You can come to one of these pastors and simply say to them, I need Jesus. And they'll have somebody open a Bible and show you how you can become a follower of Jesus tonight. Or maybe you're here and you got a burden that you just want somebody to pray with you. You you, you don't want to just go to an altar and pray. You want to pray with a pastor, with someone. We'd be honored to pray with you and for you tonight. You can come to one of our pastors with that burden, and we'll carry that to the Lord with you. Father, have your way in this moment. Speak to us, O Lord. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.